You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. As you seated, you can open to Romans 12, verse 2. How many of you were here for Pastor Dylan this morning? Wasn't that amazing? I threatened, I made a joke upstairs and I said, I am going to come onto stage tonight and I will be the quadruple threat. <laughs> I will sing, I will bring my guitar, I'm going to speak now and I'll maybe throw in a dance move or two. <laughs> but then they threatened to record it and sell it. So I was like, nah, no, it's okay. <laughs> but it really blessed me when he said that we are going to explore our hearts because that's exactly what the Lord has in store for us tonight as well. So as most of you know, I am a mom of two. We have two boys. The first is Noah, he is four years old. He is very much our, I want to get everything right boy. He is structured and ordered, and even in the way he plays with his toys, everything has a place. Every game he plays has rules. Even if it's made up in his own mind, you better play along with those rules because to him, that's the right way of doing it. And then we have Ezekiel. He's our one-year-old. He's currently our wild child. <laughs> Feels like he came out of nowhere and he has Fun our lives around. He is very busy, very, very busy. And I know a lot of parents say that their kids are busy. But guys, this child doesn't sit still <laughs> for longer than 10 seconds. He walks like this up and down our house, up and down our house. And he'll play for 10 seconds with blocks. And then he's up and down and up and down. And he'll play with the ball and then up and down. He's very busy and he likes to mess. He's been nicknamed Record Ralph. Bam, bam, baby Thor, just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with. But I believe I've been given the grace to raise both of these boys in their different personalities and their different capacities, and I know that I can walk in that grace. And in this season of being mom, we're definitely entering into a training phase, especially with Noah. So obviously when they're very little, which now is Ezekiel, we've, it's very much discipline. So it's yes, no, wrong, right, the boundaries are very definite. But as we're developing with Noah, we can see that we're entering into a different phase. Obviously discipline is always there, it's definitely the foundation that we work on, but we are entering into the phase of developing his character and we can see that he's starting to understand what we're saying and he's starting to reason with us. And as we're training him, I'm continually reminded of the founding verse of the ministry in Ephesians 4 verse 12 where it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that is our roles as parents. We are there to equip our children. And in equipping our children, in developing Noah and now work, working through his character, I have started working on a principle, something has come up that I've placed my focus on. And as I've placed my focus on it with him, I've realized that it's something a lot of adults need to still work on. <laughs> so that's where my message title came from, You Do You. But first, I need to take the step back and ask, when you hear You Do You, how do you hear that? 
Because for most of us, if we've been consuming any form of social media, you're probably hearing it from the viewpoint of the world, which is, you do you, boo. <laughs> which means you do whatever you want, do what makes you happy, whatever floats your boat, you just do that. We don't want to interfere. In preparing for my message, I decided to Google you do you just to make sure, like, we're at least <laughs> in line with something. And the phrase actually means something like be yourself or do what you want, and is typically identified with contemporary youth millennial culture and vernacular. So I went to the Cambridge Dictionary, and it's even in there on their website, and it says it's used to say that someone should do what they think is best, what they enjoy most, or what suits their personality. And the example that they give, if you're not ambitious and are perfectly happy with an easy target, then by all means, you do you. And how many of you recognize that that is very far off from the Word of God? That is very contrary to what the Scripture tells us. In our culture, there is a trend going around the whole you do you and live your truth, live yourself. Don't allow others to tell you what's right and wrong. If it feels good for you, do that. And with the way social media works, it can feel very easy to fall into those trends. But then we aren't allowing anyone to speak into our lives. We aren't allowing ourselves to be discipled and guided and challenged. If we're so stuck in our ways of thinking and our thoughts, how are we even gonna allow the Word of God to grow us? The Word does not say, do what works for you. Be stuck in your ways, live your truth. No, the Word of God says, be transformed. Romans 12 verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right there, you can see that we are, be, are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Say this, I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So it's not to be stuck in our truth and the way our minds work, but to be focused on the Word, to be focused on God and allow that to change our thought patterns. If we read this portion from the New Living Translation, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So by transforming our mind, by focusing on the Word and focusing on God, we can discover what God's will is for our life, what we need to be focusing on for ourselves. So right now, that's exactly what I wanna do. I wanna take back that phrase and I want to realign it with the Word of God. And I want to show you what the Word has to say when we say, you do you. How can we use this phrase to keep our focus on Him and His will for our lives? So I know that this is something that I'm working through with Noah, but the Bible does encourage us to have childlike faith. In Matthew 18, three to four, 
Mark 10 verse 14 and Luke 18 verse 17, Jesus speaks about approaching the kingdom as a child. In these portions of scripture, he said we need to become like children. He did not urge children to become like adults. And yes, I know there is a maturing that happens, but I wanna take us back to basics. I wanna make sure that our foundation is strong and that our focus is accurate so that we can truly grow in what God has for us this year, amen? So yes, speaking from this example that I'm working through with Noah, there is definitely something for us to draw from and learn from. So with him being four years old, it comes with a lot of big emotions. And it comes with friends who have a lot of big emotions, and none of them really know how to handle these big emotions. But the lesson that I'm working with Noah, the focus that I'm trying to draw into him right now is, you can't control what is happening around you. What you can control is your reaction. So you can't control what your friend says or does to you. You can't control that your brother takes your cokey and goes running. You can't control that I gave you a blue bowl instead of a yellow bowl. Even though you think you can control it, there's things that happen in life that you just can't control. And I feel like we as adults need to hear that. We can't control everything. We can't control that our colleague got a promotion before we did. We can't control that these people are speaking behind our backs. You can't control that they aren't or are in line with the Word of God. What you can be in charge of is you. What you can focus on is you. Now there is a difference between reaction and response. We know that when we react, it's like a reflex. We don't even think about it, we just react. And that's pretty much what toddlers do. They react to the world around them. Something happens and their world explodes and they let you know and everything goes crazy. So that's what happens when we react. But when we respond, you're almost taking that step back, you're assessing the situation, you're consciously directing your thoughts and deciding what needs to be said, what needs to be done, how does the situation need to be handled? And that's where we as adults need to be. We need to be in that space of response. We need to take that step back, submit our emotions, and allow God to align us with His truth and His word and make sure that our response is accurate. If we keep reacting to things around us as toddlers do, how are we growing in the things of God? A powerful example of this is our Lord, Jesus. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he did not react out of emotion. He responded because he went to God before he did or said anything. When we read this account in Luke 22, we see that Jesus did not react out of fear, anxiety, offense, the big emotions he must have been dealing with. And he most likely was tempted to react, but instead he took that step back, he did not allow himself to react, he took himself before God, and he allowed God to fill him with the Holy Spirit, and he approached it from a place being filled with truth, with love, he knew his purpose that was God-given. And this response can only come from being intimate with our Father. This year, I want us to place the focus on ourselves. 
We don't always know what's going on in the lives of those around us. We don't know their journey. We don't know what God has told them to do. We don't know if they're obeying or disobeying or what they're working through. We don't know their full picture, but what we do know is our picture. We know what God has said to us, what He's revealed in our hearts, and that is what we can use to work through life, what He has spoken to us. So say this, I place my focus on my picture. So growing up with my siblings, I am the oldest one, which means I'm perfect. <laughs> Just joking. But <laughs> I was the one who wanted to do things right and keep things right and do things trouble-free. The other two, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but we are three different personalities and my parents had three different ways of approaching us. Because they had one standard of discipline and one standard of doing things, but they would approach us differently because we're three different people. And because of this, I would have my siblings come to me and say, but mom and dad never shout at that one. And mom and dad never do that to this one. And mom and dad never respond like that there. And they let this one slide. And they, if only they would react like that to this one, if only they would da 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 da. <laughs> just spilling some stories. <laughs> and growing up, I used to think along these same lines, but that was immaturity. As I've become a mom, and especially a mom of two, I've realized that each child is different. Our approach to them is different. And God is the same with us. He approaches us differently because we are different people. So we can often hear people say that God loves us equally. However, that places a number on how much God loves. His love cannot be measured. We read in Ephesians 3 verse 18, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So this verse speaks of the height, the depth, the width, the fullness of God's love, and that we are to walk in understanding that love. It surpasses our knowledge. So no, I don't think He loves us equally, but I think He loves us uniquely. We each have a journey, and He knows that journey. He knows what we need, and He knows what those around us need, and He is dealing with us each as individuals. But if we keep our focus on others and their shortfalls and their shortcomings, we miss out on our own growth. So with my siblings, I had to take that step back and help them see, are you only focusing on the other person? Are you only focusing on what should have been said to them, what should have been done to them? Or are you taking that inward approach? Are you taking that step back and having a look at, wait a minute, how must I handle the situation? What in my character needs to grow and develop? Because if you are taking what is needed, you are allowing it to shape and guide you. 
And yes, we do want people to grow. We want those around us to grow and develop and to be discipled. We know that discipleship is a big focus of this ministry, as it should be. Jesus gave a very clear instruction, go and make disciples in Matthew 28 verse 19. But have we become so focused on the discipleship of others that we've lost focus on our own growth? We should allow the discipleship to keep us on track, to show us shortcomings in ourselves that we need to work on, what in our character needs to be developed. So as we're concentrating on the growth of others, allow it to grow you. Otherwise, you're only focusing on them and their response and how they can get better, but then you lack in your own character. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves to one another, they are without understanding. And Pastor Dylan spoke very well on comparison this morning. And from that verse, we can see that it is clear if people keep looking to everyone around them and what's happening around them, they are losing focus, understanding is lacking, and we wanna walk with understanding. We wanna know the fullness of God. We wanna know His purpose for our lives, amen? amen? And that's where social media can be so, so dangerous. It's definitely a tool, I know that, but we also need to recognize that the enemy has found a way to use it as a thief. First of all, there are so many messages that are contrary to the Word of God, and it's done so, so subtly. I know for myself that there's been a few opinions and ways of thinking that you take hold of because it comes across so great, it sounds right. But as you dwell on it, and you meditate on it, and you meditate on the Word, you realize that these two things don't line up. So we need to make sure that we are cautious with what we consume on social media. We've heard Dad speak, I think he called it information bias, but it's where you form an opinion, and before you know it, you've scrolled down a rabbit hole of something that confirms that opinion. So as you are scrolling, don't get lost in mindless scrolling. Make sure you take that pause and assess it and make sure it aligns with the Word of God. The other aspect of social media is that it literally forces comparison. And again, it does it so, so subtly. As I said earlier, we were away with the family for three days and there was no signal. So we were able to take that opportunity and actually focus on the boys, focus on ourselves, the family. I was really grateful that it was at the beginning of the year because it you know, sets our foundation for the year ahead and we were able to do it distraction free. But then we came back and we were just hanging around and then obviously, we got signal back, so I wanted to scroll a little bit and catch up as we all do. And in scrolling, I was on there for less than 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, there were already three different times that I felt myself comparing. And I fell into the hole of comparison, and I already saw, how come she got to do that? And how come they already there? And why did that happen for them? It's so, so easy how the enemy comes in with comparison when it comes to social media. 
but I had to pull myself back and remember that I am on my journey. God is busy working in my life on very specific things. And I want to focus on those things, the things He has for me and my family. And it's really easy to do that when there's no signal. <laughs> You've got no distractions. But that's where the discipline comes in, the discipline of keeping our focus on Jesus. That's where we, like part of the vision for 2024 is to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness more than ever before. So you can be guaranteed the enemy is gonna be throwing distractions out more than ever before. So we need to make sure that we are disciplined enough to keep our focus on Jesus. Another one of the ways the enemy likes to throw his distraction around is by persecution. Near the end of last year, beginning of this year, dad spoke a lot around trials, tribulations and persecution. And we know the difference between them all. And persecution is when people happen, when people say things, people do things. And the enemy wants to use that to distract our focus. He wants to pull our eyes off of Jesus and focus on these situations around us, focus on these people around us. And that way he can keep us from growing. But no, we're not gonna allow him to do that. We are disciplined and we will keep our eyes on Jesus. It really ministered to me when dad read the scripture, Romans 5, verse three to five, and I wanna have a look at it from the New Living Translation. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And I feel like this ties very well in to what we're speaking about this evening. It shows us God's love for us. And that takes me back to my siblings. Do we trust my parents' love for us? Do we trust that they love us, that they want the best for us, for all three of us, which is now five plus two grandkids? But do they want the best for us or do we just see how they could be saying it, should be saying it, should be treating that one? And in the same breath, do we trust God's love for us? Do we trust that He has an amazing plan for us, an amazing journey, that He's with us? He sees our journey in an entirely different light and He sees the other people around you. He sees their journey in an entirely different light, in a different way to what you do. We've all formed opinions on how people should be living their lives. Again, social media has made it way too easy for us to believe that we know the inside scoop of everyone's lives, it makes us feel like we know exactly what they're up to and exactly what they should be doing. And you know what, it's not. Social media is just a glimpse. Someone could be walking through so much more that you have no idea of. You don't know what God has said to them. You don't know what God is speaking to them about. But again, I remind you that you know what He said to you. And then the verse also speaks about our character development. Are we allowing our character to be developed through these trials and tribulations? Or are we only focused on the other people? On the how could they? Why would they do that? Why would they be like that? Are we allowing our character to develop? 
Imagine if Jesus was so focused on what Judas did to him, on the betrayal, on the disappointment, the broken trust, perhaps even wondering if there was something he could have done to prevent it. I mean, Judas was one of his disciples. Or how his three closest companions fell asleep when he needed them to pray for him. He never asked them for anything that was for his benefit, but this time he needed their prayers and they fell asleep. Imagine if Jesus focused on that, on the shortcomings of those around them. What would that have done for his purpose here on earth? If Jesus got caught up in everything that was wrong and out of place, every hurt and betrayal disappointment, he wouldn't have been able to go to the cross the very reason he was sent to earth. It would have been lost because of that disconnected focus, but he had to make sure that his focus was on God, that he knew the purpose God had called him for. He needed to keep his eyes there, and that way he could achieve what God had called him to do. In the same way, we go through things we just cannot control. We get hurt, we get disappointed, Sometimes we even get betrayed. But the moment we put our focus on those things and we take it off of God, we could lose the very purpose God has given us. And it's not just for us. It will affect the people around us. It will affect the people we are supposed to reach through that God-given purpose. And that's something that I wanna make very clear tonight. This is not a self-centered approach. It's, I don't want this message to get twisted into something that is self-centered because it's far from that. It's just a principle of focus that I really feel we need to adjust. It's the heart attitude towards our approach of people. Because as I've said, it's very easy to compare and to think that we know what everyone's going through. But the word says in Hebrews 12 verse two, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus did not allow any of it to distract him from the cross. He did not allow the hurt or the betrayal to stop him from doing what God had called him to do. And now 2,000 years later, we get to benefit from that focused decision that he made. And that's what I hope to bring across, that it's not a self-centered approach. In fact, it is a God-centered approach. What has God told you to do? What has He called you? What has He revealed in your heart, in your lives? What character is He trying to develop in you? And with that in mind, that is the approach I take when I say, you do you. Focus on Him and His calling in your life and do that. Do that and you'll see everything that God has planned for you come to pass. In essence, this is keeping Matthew 6, 33, in front of us in every moment of every day. And we know that it's part of the vision. It says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It does not say seek only the kingdom of God. However, when we focus on his kingdom and his righteousness, 
Everything else that follows is God-centered. Everything else that comes will be His way of living because He is our focus. When I seek Him, I discover His will for my life and I can live that out. That's where the and His righteousness part comes in. We are to seek His kingdom first, yes, but we are also to seek His righteousness. And that refers to how are we living our lives. The New Living Translation version of Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything else. So am I focusing on living in that right standing with God? Am I focusing on adjusting and making those little adjustments that He's given me? Am I focusing on what He's told me to do? And when I make a mistake, I'm quick to repent. When I am focused on others, I tend to be sin conscious. But when I focus on myself, I am righteousness conscious. And I get to live that out with those around me. I can only truly focus on His righteousness when I remember that I am made the righteousness of God in Christ. And He shows me the areas in my life that need to be adjusted. And as I read verse 33 in preparing for the message, I wanted to read further because I could see Jesus didn't round off his teaching at Matthew 6:33, and we've been taught in this church that the chapters are just for reference. So I decided to read the rest of it in context with what God was saying, well, what Jesus was saying about seek first the kingdom. And it was very interesting because Jesus goes on in chapter seven. And verse one, he speaks about, do not judge others. In verse two, he speaks about how you treat others. In verse three, he speaks about why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. And if you read verse four, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your own eye when you can't see past the log in your, in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. If you read it from the Passion Translation, how could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots, and then you'll be able to then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. And for me, this verse really ties up what I'm trying to bring across. The verse doesn't say, don't help your brother, don't disciple your brother, don't impart. But have you taken a look at yourself? Have you made sure your blind spots are covered, your shortcomings are covered? Have you made sure you are in line with what God is telling you to do? Because when we're in line with what God is telling us to do, that's when we can walk in the grace of God and help our brother and disciple others through what God has revealed to us. So don't go criticizing those around you. Don't go pointing fingers. Make sure that you are in line with God. Your blind spots are covered. And that way, you know that you have the grace to help those around you. Jesus says, we need to take the beam out of our own eye 
before we can attempt to take the splinter out of our brothers, we need to examine our own blind spots before we can help someone through theirs. So I can truly see someone for who they are in Christ when I've allowed Christ's righteousness to rise up in my life, when I have an intimate relationship with Jesus and I've allowed His focus, Him to be my focus, His will for my life to come to pass, that's when I can help those around me in much greater glory. So I want us all to stand now this evening as I close off here. And I wanna take this time and ask, has your mind been focused on those around you? Have you been in comparison mode? Have you been in pointing finger mode? I am not gonna call anyone to the front because I believe this is a very personal revelation that we need to realign ourselves with the Lord. So I want us to take this God-centered approach. We are changing it around. It's not a self-centered approach. It's a God-centered approach. And I want you to take the time now to just go quiet before the Lord. Allow Him to minister to you. Make sure that you are you're hearing from Him. You are hearing His purpose for your life. And you are putting, putting your focus on that. Let's make sure we've realigned our focus with that. And I just wanna pray over us this evening. Oh, Father God, thank you for your word that has gone forth this evening. I thank you that you are speaking to each and every one of us. Right now, we lay aside every hurt, every betrayal, every envy, every jealousy. We lay aside every distraction we lay it at your feet right now and we realign our focus with you. You are our focus. You are our priority. And I know that as we do this, you are showing us your will for our lives and we can walk in that. And as we walk in that will, in that purpose, in your plan for our lives, we are able to touch and change the lives of those around us. We are able to walk in your grace and transform people's lives as we operate in the true form of discipleship. I thank you that you are guiding each and every one of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I believe you were blessed and touched by the word this evening. We give God all the glory.